welcome to the Credit Union Overtime Podcast, produced and presented by the Credit Union Webinar Network, powered by FinEd. We are here to put the cherry on top of the great webinars and training that our industry experts provide. We'll cover all aspects of the credit union world, from compliance to marketing, operations to lending, and HR to IT. If it's happening in your CU, we are on it. So welcome and thank you for joining us on our first podcast our inaugural podcast of the Credit Union Overtime Podcast. My name is Eric Conley. I'm the Senior Marketing Manager at the Credit Union Webinar Network. And I wanted to give you some background on what we will be doing with this podcast. We, as the Credit Union Webinar Network, partner with associations and leagues across the country to provide webinars and training to their members. 100 plus webinars a year covering everything that you will encounter. And we wanted to find another way to get out there and get you some good content from all of these industry experts and people out in the field that we work with every day. We'll have three formats that this podcast will follow. The first uh, that we'll do today is the asked and answered format. This includes questions from you out in the field that were submitted to our presenters in the live webinar. We'll go over those in a little more detail. And those questions, as well as the rest of the content from the webinar, are, of course, available as a recording. The second format that we'll be tackling in this podcast is Meet the Expert. We will have on some of these industry experts that we work with to tell a little bit about themselves. They're out there in the field, they're doing this, and a lot of their stories are very interesting, I can tell you that. So we'll have some of them on to talk about what they are doing in the credit union world. The third format that we will tackle is the hot topic and breaking news format. Uh, Throughout the year, if a new regulation drops, if things change, if we feel the need to add something, you know, as things are going, because it's something that you as the credit union professional need to know, we will have that speaker jump on before it happens. We'll have them give you kind of the 10,000 foot view of those changes and what they'll be covering and why it's something you need to know. So with that, we'll jump right into today's episode. This is one of our Asked and Answered episodes, and it is surrounding a webinar we had on July 22nd titled Call Report Financial Statements B&E. It was presented by Stephen Schiltz of CLA, and you can see more about this webinar and purchase the recorded version via the link in the show notes. To borrow a little bit from our promotional copy for the webinar, preparing financial statements for the call report is just like preparing your own internal financial statements, right? Think again. There are some subtle differences that may go unnoticed. This session will provide tips, tricks, and relevant examples that will assist you in the preparation of the quarterly call reports. As I said, this webinar was presented by Stephen Schiltz, CPA of CLA, Clifton Larson Allen LLP. Steve is principal with CLA's Tucson office. He began his career with CLA in 2002 and has extensive experience providing assurance and consulting services to community financial institutions. Steve has made presentations to management teams, supervisory committees, and boards of directors, as well as national speaking engagements and webinars. A licensed CPA in Arizona and Texas, Steve is a member of the AICPA, Arizona Society of CPAs, and the Beta Gamma Sigma Honor Society. He received his bachelor's in accounting, cum laude, from the University of Arizona in Tucson. So with that, we'll bring Steve on to this episode of the Credit Union Overtime Podcast. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. How are things down in the desert? Not too bad. Uh, it's actually 
clear, sunny sky today. We, we've had some rain showers recently, so that's been a nice relief. But I think now the next week or so, we're going back to 100 plus degrees. So everybody's trying to stay cool. Oh, yeah, I can imagine heating up out there. Yeah, we are we are located in Montana. So when we get into the 90s, we're all kind of uh, we're all sweating it out a little bit. So <laughs> I guess it's good for COVID and social distancing. Everybody's staying indoors for the most part. So hopefully we can help out, help reduce some of those numbers and continue to flatten the curve. Absolutely. Mother Nature pitching in a little bit there. That's, That's great. Right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us today uh, for this segment of the podcast. This is our Asked and Answered segment. So what we really do here is we look back at some of the questions submitted by the folks out working in the field uh, during this call report webinar you presented. And we'll come back and touch on some of those. And uh, this is a, a really great way that we can connect to all that great information you gave in the webinar. So I think first... Um, you know, we're looking at the webinar call report financial statements, uh, particularly B and E. And looking at a lot of the questions that came in, a lot of them really seem to be based in what's happening for all of us across the industry with COVID. So how do you really kind of see that tying in to the topic you were presenting on? Yeah, and I, every webinar that I do, every call report webinar, I try to draw attention and cover new call report disclosures. And you're right. I mean, with, with COVID impacting everyone across the country, it's also impacting call reports now. So a lot of people will probably notice uh, a couple new disclosures that are COVID related. Um, the most significant one being COVID forbearances or modifications. I think that's going to impact virtually all credit unions, but also there's uh, some requested information related to small business administration PPP loans, which some of our, uh, some credit unions out there that engage in commercial lending might have some of those, but um, not not many credit unions based on uh, my, my knowledge and experience. I think the, the most significant impact is going to be related to those COVID forbearances or modifications. That makes sense, definitely. Awesome. Well, we'll jump right into the questions. Again, these were ones that were submitted during this webinar coming from people in the field. So our first question, uh, our credit union only has one or two repos per month and sells them at auction quickly. Do we still need to write down and reclassify the other assets? Yeah, it's a good question. This one comes up a lot in uh, the webinar, the call report webinar presentations I've done. Um, technically, under generally accepted accounting principles, once you repossess a vehicle, it's no longer considered to be a loan. It's considered to be another asset. And so credit unions should mark those down to fair value, less estimated selling costs, with the deficiency charged off against the allowance and reclassified to other assets. Now, from a gap perspective, generally accepted accounting principles usually only apply for material balances. So I know a lot of uh, credit unions historically don't have a lot of repo volume. And so they, they might wonder whether or not they actually have to to do that reclassification or if they can just continue to keep those 
those uh, repossessions as part of the loan portfolio. From a gap standpoint, if it's immaterial, they're probably fine keeping with loans, but um, the call report is required to be, um, uh, is required by the examiners. And oftentimes I've seen where they have a different opinion related to that. Usually with examinations, um, there is no concept of materiality. And if uh, GAP requires you to reclassify to other assets, that's usually what the examiners are expecting. So uh, I know it's not a definite answer from a GAP standpoint, it's probably immaterial, but from a call report perspective, uh, it's probably something that the credit union should do. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, on to our next question. How do most credit unions track and amortize deferred loan origination fees and costs? So the ideal way, and I guess just to give a little background on this, uh, when you originate a loan and you either charge a fee or have a cost associated with that loan origination, GAP requires that fee or cost to be amortized is a yield adjustment over the life of the loan. So it's important to track that fee or cost with the loan portfolio and then make sure that the amortization or accretion is going against loan interest income. The easiest way to track those that, that I've seen is through the core processing system. The core, most core systems out there have a field uh, as part of the loan trial balance where you can track any uh, defer any costs or fees associated with loan origination. And then the system will automatically track it as part of the loan portfolio and will automatically amortize and, and accrete those balances over the life of the loan. And then if the loan pays off early, uh, the remaining cost or fee will get amortized out. So that's probably the easiest way to do it and um, also the more, most accurate way. I think anytime you're, you're using the core system uh, from an accounting perspective, the better tracking you have and, and the more accurate it is, the less susceptible it is to uh, manual calculation errors. If that's not possible, if the core system doesn't have that ability what most credit unions do is they track it in an Excel spreadsheet. Um, they accumulate all the costs or fees for any particular month associated with a segment of their loan portfolio. And then they amortize over the average life of the corresponding loans, knowing that some loans will pay off early and other loans will, will go to term. So that's a of course, when you get into Excel spreadsheets and you go off core system, you're susceptible to, to more errors and it's not going to be as precise as using the core system. But uh, if the core system doesn't have that ability, that's that's probably the next best solution. Thank you. And our next question, we're jumping into one of those COVID and CARES Act related questions from Barbara. Should loans that have been extended for COVID-19 but are back on repayment be reported as eligible loan modifications under the CARES Act? Yeah, this one was a, is a great question. And the call report, I, I mentioned this is a, a new call report disclosure for the June 30th, 2020 call report. So um, brand new instructions and 
there is some ambiguity here and, and some confusion here. And I've been asked this question before. Um, and what I, what I communicated during the webinar last week is that I think it's important to be more conservative. So any COVID-related uh, deferments or modifications should be reflected on the call report disclosure. Whether or not they have uh, those loans have um, those uh, modifications have expired or not, and the and the loan is back on repayment. Um, it, it's interesting. After this came up just yesterday, actually, I received an email from someone that purchased the recording of the webinar. Uh, someone out from in Colorado, and they said they actually checked with their regulator um, to to try to get some additional clarification regarding this disclosure. And what I had communicated during that webinar was was accurate. So um, any loans that have been modified due to COVID, regardless of whether or not they've gone back to repayment, and that modification period has has expired should be reflected in that call report disclosure. Excellent. Always great to get that kind of feedback, that verification too. Yeah, that, that was the first time that had happened that I can remember. Usually I, I get lots of questions after the fact that, you know, maybe weren't brought up during the webinar, but this one was actually really good validation saying, you know, that I, you mentioned that this is your interpretation of the call report instructions, and I just want to let you know that you're you were right. Perfect. After talking with my regulator, so that was really nice to hear. The best kind of feedback. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, our next question came in from Liz, and it's our credit union offered skip a pays on loan payments on a month to month basis. Would this be part of CARES Act forbearance loans? Yeah, most likely. As I mentioned before, any any modification due to COVID that qualifies, and, and there's couple, there's two different uh, guidance that credit unions can refer to, either Section 4013 of the CARES Act, uh, credit unions can follow that guidance, or there also is an interagency statement that the financial institution regulators, including NCUA issued that they can follow that guidance too. And both guidances are, are very similar. They indicate that in order to, for a, a qualifying COVID-19 loan modification, number one, it has to be, the reason for the modification is due to hardship related to COVID-19. Uh, the loan that qualifies has to be less than 30 days delinquent. It has to be a current loan. And the modification period that's granted must be short term. And the regulators, financial institution regulators came out and gave an example of six months or less. So if, if uh, a loan modification met all three of those criteria, uh, it should be reflected as part of that call report disclosure. So in, in the question, you know, a skip a pay related to COVID, uh, as long as that loan was current, less than 30 days delinquent, it's a short-term modification. A skip a pay is usually a, a month in duration. It's related to COVID-19. That would be uh, included in that new call report disclosure. Excellent. And we'll do our final question here. 
If you purchase loan pool from a CUSO as an investment, but you are not considered an owner, do you still report as Schedule C? Yeah, um, and that, that was a, that's an interesting question. Um, for Schedule C, Schedule C is you're required to report any loans to or investments in CUSOs. So um, back to that question, if it was a loan participation purchased from a CUSO, and that uh, credit union that purchased that loan participation is not an owner of the CUSO or has not lent money to that CUSO, it was strictly only a, a loan participation transaction, then the answer would be no, it, it would not be required to, to be included in that Schedule C. Excellent. Well, I think those are our questions we have for our Asked and Answered segment. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. I uh, wanted to give you the opportunity if you have anything you wanted to talk about or any of the services that CLA has that you'd want to talk about for our wider audience. This is a great time to do that. Okay. Well, I mean, in terms of call reporting, one of the things I always try to talk about and cover during the webinars is it's always a good idea to check with your lead examiner if you have a question about call reporting. I, I do my best to interpret the, the call report instructions, but um, sometimes different examiners have, have a different perspective than I do. So um, that's always a, a, a good idea um, you know, to develop a good relationship with your lead examiner. And if you do have a very specific question on the call report, they're a great resource too. Just like that example I'd given about uh, uh, a credit union in Colorado that had attended the webinar last week and wanted to follow up with their examiner and um, got some good validation from them. So that's always a, a good recommendation that I would have. Um, in terms of, of what we do, uh, CLA, Clifton, Larson, Allen, uh, we, we promise to, to know and help our, our clients, and we offer a wide range of services. We're, we're the number one of auditor of credit unions in the country. No other firm around the country audits more credit unions than we do, but we also offer a lot of uh, consulting services, internal audit, regulatory compliance, uh, information technology, contract, uh, advisory and assessment, virtually any, any service or, or need that a credit union has, we can, we can help with that. Excellent. Well, that's great. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. Hope you're going to stay cool out there in the desert, and we'll hopefully circle back on another topic and have you back again. Wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So a big thank you again to Stephen Schiltz and to CLA for joining us on today's Asked and Answered episode of the Credit Union Overtime podcast. As I said earlier, you can access and purchase the recorded version of the Call Report Financial Statements B&E webinar on our website. You can get there via the link in the show notes. You could also visit us at cuwebtraining.com. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at the Credit Union Webinar Network pages. I want to thank all of our state association partners, our outstanding speakers and topic matter experts, and you, the listener. Thank you for all you do in the credit union movement. Be safe, stay healthy, and take care. And we'll see you next time on the Credit Union Overtime Podcast. Yeah.